your Locked On The Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to this episode of the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. Thanks for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, Megaphone, and Odyssey. Doing so is completely free of charge and ensures you never miss another episode. On tonight's podcast, I wanted to go over Winnipeg versus Arizona, which, you know, it's an interesting game. I feel like the past couple of outings with Dave Lowry, we're starting to get more of a sense of what he views as really important to this team and what his overall coaching philosophy is. And, you know, in some areas, I think it's maybe a bit better than Maurice and in other areas, it's a notable step back. And I don't know if the step backs are going to be enough to kind of overrule any of the uh, improvements in slot attacks because, you know, the, the Jets are playing a little bit of a simplistic style with some lineup alterations that, for me, I'm not really a fan of and I think takes away from what makes the Jets really effective. And so I definitely have some questions. But, you know, this this Yotes team is kind of at the level where if the Jets lose again to the squad, I would have very serious concerns. I wouldn't say that it was like the world's greatest game, and there were times where I was wondering if the Jets were actually going to get shut out again. But, you know, before we get really deep into the details, uh, at least of the latter stages of the game, let's start off with the first period, which, you know, from my viewing was one of the worst periods I've seen Winnipeg play. And part of it was because it just felt like there was no real rhythm. It didn't seem like Winnipeg's breakouts were working. They were turning over the puck sloppily on very silly breakouts and bad passes and stuff that weren't really working. Their D-zone clearances were atrocious. A lot of the same stuff that we're used to, but what was really frustrating was like, Winnipeg would try and make a breakout through the neutral zone, right? And you would see the Jets, and the Jets actually have not exactly a lot of top-end speed, but even their fastest guys were really struggling to get through Arizona's neutral zone traps and stuff. But it wasn't like Arizona was really pressuring a lot. The Oats would go with a man marking here and there, and you'd see one or two guys pressure the puck carrier, but it wasn't like super intense. It just sort of felt like the Jets were way too passive, and then they would make very silly mistakes, turn the puck over, and every now and then it actually turned into a dangerous counter heading the other way, one of which was actually a breakaway for Phil Kessel. So, yeah, strange period. I wasn't really a fan of it. And even though the Jets were shown as outshooting the Yotes by a pretty decent margin on the shot clock, you'd be really hard-pressed to remember any of them being all that dangerous. I think one of the biggest things that was still the same from the last time the Jets had played Arizona where they got shut out was that the Yotes have this defensive structure that's very loose, but it does seem to be pretty effective against Winnipeg. Arizona doesn't really have all of their guys compress at once. It seems like they just have like a bit of a zonal scheme where they sort of wait for Winnipeg to carry over um, into one of the areas near the faceoff circles or whatnot. And then that uh, player who's been assigned to that region will start to pressure the puck carrier, try and force a turnover. And then, you know, they'll change assignments if 
you know, Winnipeg's puck carrier ends up moving from, you know, towards the back of the net or goes to the perimeter. But ultimately what this does is it disrupts any of Winnipeg's actual zone creation. And in terms of their slot chances, they really weren't getting much going at all. And so the Jets were just sort of settling for point shots and things that they were hoping from from sharp angles, uh, long distance slappers. Not a lot that I would say was particularly dangerous. And I see this as one of the principal problems with what Lowry wants to do with this team. Dave definitely prizes a lot of big, physical, tall players who can kind of crowd the net and attack the crease, which in certain circumstances I think is actually very useful. The problem is is when you do it and you don't actually get a lot of pressure down the center channel, which is where you're really needing to create most of your offense from, you're going to take a lot of sharp angle shots that don't really go anywhere. Uh, and oftentimes it then leads to you know, passing it back to the point, hoping for a point shot to get deflected through, and kind of gambling your way to a win. And I don't really feel like that, for me, is the most effective approach. And you look at the roster composition of the Jets, right? And I don't really see all that many players who are like the crash and bang kind of guys that the Jets used to have. I actually think Lowry's approach would have been more fitting for the 2015 team, which had less skill but more physical forechecking, and guys who would just sort of crash to the net blindly. This squad, though, I think is equipped for a lot more, um, a lot of cross-seam passing, you know, good one-time options, maybe even using uh, guys like Mark Shifley net front as a pivot point. That's something that's kind of disappeared on the power play, and I don't really know why, because oftentimes you see uh, the netminders who are, are making saves on Connor are already looking for this option on the power play, right? They know exactly where the puck's going, um, the net front option's not really being used, and so it just feels like in many respects that central channel of offense that the Jets need to use to create and score on is not really getting utilized. And I feel like that's been a consistent problem with Maurice. It's happening again with Lowry, but now Dave is kind of enforcing this idea of, you know, bang and crash around the net, put big bodies out there. And again, in certain areas, I think that's actually very useful. But on the whole, I think it's taking away from stuff that the Jets kind of do best. And then when you watch them defensively try and, and mark... Uh, shooting and passing lanes on their own end, there's a lot of chaos and disorganization. And in tonight's game, it really didn't feel like the Jets were all on the same page. Arizona was actually able to piece apart Winnipeg's defensive structure at times. Not that it actually created a lot of stuff down in the central slot area right in front of Hellebuck, but every now and then, if, if, you, if you could imagine Arizona having more talent to work with, there were very good chances they were creating, and the Jets' D was very passive and reactive. And so... That first period, just not super in love with it. I, I felt like Winnipeg was way too slow. And again, struggling against Arizona is not a good look. Winnipeg could still win this game, and I would have all the same questions and concerns because it's Arizona. They have six wins this season. I know that there's the any given Sunday kind of uh, motto and stuff, but it just, this is a team that you have to bury. I, I don't know any other way to say it. You have to beat the squad. But thankfully, despite the lackluster performance, Evgeny Svechnikov, who was making his return after injury, actually did score a pretty nice goal. Morrissey created a good chance on the left flank and found Svechnikov for a one-time option. Svech just sort of blasted at home, and just like that, the Jets were up 1-0, despite not really creating much. I will say that Zvechnikov not playing more is a problem to me, and I'll talk about that later in this episode, why I really feel like it's a missed opportunity, but for now, we'll, we'll hold it off on me, you know, pissing and moaning a little bit too much, and move on to the second period. Before then, though, I thought you should hear a little bit more about Bilt Bar and why they're the best-tasting protein bars on the market. 
It's the new year, so that means New Year's resolutions. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in your New Year's plans. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, but it's even better for you. They make it easy to stick to your New Year's resolution because it tastes so good, you'll actually want to eat it, unlike all those other waxy, chalky, boring protein bars you're used to. Built Bars are coated in 100% real chocolate and contain around 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams of net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Good luck finding a candy bar that's as guilt-free as Built Bars are. Ready to make the change? Go through your cupboards or all of your secret snack stashes and throw out all the junky, calorie-laden, super-sugary foods that you can replace with Built Bars. You don't even have to love working out. Built Bars are suitable for every lifestyle and can help you cut calories the tasty way. To get started, go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your order. Again, that is promo code LOCKED15 at checkout for 15% off at Built.com. Start your New Year's resolutions off the Built way. Hello, friends, and welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. Thanks for making Locked on Jets your first listen of the day every day. As you have guessed by the opener, we are taking a look at Winnipeg versus Arizona. And after a kind of listless first period, I was hoping that the Jets would have a stronger second period, which, you know, it is what it is. They were up one nothing, But against this Yotes team, with how the Jets don't really defend all that well and kind of get punished on their mistakes, it did feel like the Jets needed to score at least a couple more. I know that sounds really funny because Arizona literally does not create many opportunities. Uh, They don't even score very often, so it's not like you would typically be worried about it, but with how the Jets have been, I I still think at least two goals would have been uh, a nice comfort to have, but you know, the second period, would the Jets actually be chasing the game and, and looking for that extra goal opportunity, or would they kind of sit back? And honestly, it was a little bit of both. Winnipeg overall, in the first couple of periods, felt like it was sleepwalking through the game. But I will say, second period, they were more active. It felt like they were getting better slot penetration. They were also drawing some penalties, which is good to see. Uh, and obviously, they were skating pretty aggressively. I thought they had some good chances down low. Vimelka, the goalie who shut him down last time, was having more trouble this time. Felt like Kyle Connor had a couple of really good scoring opportunities. Christian Reichel was having a decent connection with Adam Lowry and just barely missed on a great feed from Lowry. Could have been, you know, 2 nothing pretty easily. And it, it just felt like the Jets were generally more active. I wouldn't say great necessarily. They were definitely out shooting the Oats by a pretty fair margin. And I, th- I would be, you know, surprised if they weren't kind of blowing them out with high danger chances too, relatively speaking. But even still, just felt a little lackluster. And I don't know if it's because it's the Yotes and Winnipeg wasn't really worried about uh, having to push 100%. But either way, you know, the Jets were kind of just sort of lollygagging around. Didn't really feel like this was a game where they were giving 100%. And occasionally, Arizona did take advantage of that. They got real close to scoring and and forcing some opportunities where, you know, Hellebuck had to make a couple of really good saves. One of those chances was a shorthanded opportunity. Clayton Keller did a nice spinorama chance against Neil Pionk. Almost turned into a goal, but Hellebuck didn't really look too troubled by it. So nice to see how he's still staying sharp despite not facing all that many shots. And eventually, Arizona's lack of actually finishing on their chances kind of came back to bite him because Pierre-Luc Dubois, who has been pretty good this season, although the past couple of weeks may be a little bit quieter than expected, 
He finally made his presence known again with a beautiful backhanded opportunity. It was actually a pretty cheeky chance. He saw Vamoka kind of turning his back, maybe a, a specific angle, and he thought he could sort of chip it over the shoulder or something. Um, he sort of backhanded it. It leaked over, I think, Vamoka's left shoulder or something, and then hit the uh, the goal line after touching along the post. Uh, and, and Anton Strawman almost cleared it out somehow, but instead Dubois ended up winning the foot race, got his stick in there, just poked it over the line, and just like that, Winnipeg was up 2 nothing. So, you know, despite an okay but not fantastic second period, again, Winnipeg's got the lead, and I, I think it says a lot about what's going on with the Yotes that the Jets really weren't giving a lot in this game, and yet we're still massively outshooting them, definitely out-creating them in, in dangerous chances and outscoring them as well. And it's it's kind of tough to watch the Yotes at times. It feels bad in some ways. They're basically an AHL team, but they're really poorly coached. And you watch the, the penalty kill, the power play, even their even strength play. It's just not really acceptable, which I think says even more that the, that the, uh, the Jets managed to get shut out by Vimalka a couple of weeks ago. Still having a hard time believing that happened, but it did. And, you know, I, I was kind of wondering if the Jets would have a big response game. And through two periods, kind of. Stuff that I think still sticks out to me as a problem is there, the power play does actually need a bit of a rework. Like I mentioned earlier in the uh, opening part of this podcast, the, the use of the net front presence isn't really all that active. They don't really use the goal line option either all that often. They used to use Stastny there. They've had PLD there as well. It just feels like the area around the crease doesn't see a lot of service, and instead Winnipeg goes towards KFC all the time. And while I love Kyle Connor and he, I, I think, has one of the best shots out there, it's not like you can just keep going to him constantly. Winnipeg does need to add more variety and make sure that goalies are honest. If you give the milk a KFC every single time on those one-time chances, he's going to make the read pretty easily, he'll get across aggressively early, and he'll make the stop. You know, that, that shot... As powerful and fast as it is, if Emelka's already in motion and he has such a big frame, then you honestly do need to kind of challenge Emelka more and make sure that you're giving him other options to think about so that you add that little bit of hesitation, that little bit of delay that gives KFC's shot even more lethality. If the goalie isn't already moving and cheating towards that side, you know, suddenly he's got to consider all these other options, which opens Kyle the perfect opportunity to score. I don't really know why Winnipeg has gotten away from that. I, I think it could be something that would be really good for the Jets to go back to using. Maybe they just feel like it's not as effective because many teams over the past couple of years have kind of worked on that slot defense on the PK, but with the talent the Jets have, it really feels like that shouldn't matter. You know, make use of the great shooters you've got. Winnipeg has premier snipers up and down the lineup. Get those guys the power play time that they can really make hay and, and use that slot option. I think it'd be a, a great piece of variety. I think it'd make Kyle Connor a lot more open and give the Jets an extra scoring boost on the special teams because, honestly, the power play is just, it's okay. It's not bad or anything. It's also not amazing. It's just okay. And I, I think, in a lot of ways, that's kind of emblematic of the season. The Jets are just, like, okay in a lot of areas, but not particularly great at much. And so I feel like this stuff against better teams will be an issue but you know Winnipeg thus far they've gotten away with it it's it's going to be a long season even still and we'll have to see how the Jets handle the rest of the year especially some of these really good playoff contenders but you know against the Oats probably not too much of a concern but you know the Jets only had a 2-0 lead and there was still a period left to go in this game 
We'll find out if the Jets managed to add to their lead or if they started to fall back a little bit against this Yotes team in just a little bit. But before we move any further, I thought you should hear about BetOnline.ag and why they should be the number one choice for all of your online betting needs during this holiday season. BetOnline has you covered all season for more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football season continues the march to the playoffs. Not into football? No problem, because BetOnline has you covered for all of the other sports action you could possibly want. It should be your number one destination for all your online betting needs. Head to their new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. Just use promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Whether you want to play some bets on a Baltimore Ravens game, or you're more interested in who might be your standout scorer from the next Winnipeg Jets outing, BetOnline should be the only place you place your online bets on that next hotly anticipated game. They're the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action, so don't hesitate to sign up today for a free account, and be sure to use promo code LOCKEDON to receive that 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. Hello friends and welcome back to this episode of the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are wrapping up tonight's episode with some final thoughts on Winnipeg versus Arizona. The Jets ended up seeing out this one 3-1 with Ehlers adding an empty net goal, uh, honoring the captain of course. Blake, we uh, we love the joke of, of course that uh, he and Shifley certainly love scoring on an empty net. Ehlers now joins that crew. So nice to see him get a goal, but honestly, he did deserve one throughout the night. He had a couple of really good scoring chances. You really can't fault him for finally getting one to actually go past Vimelka, even though it didn't actually have to go past Vimelka on this one. Speaking of Vimelka, he was probably the story of this third period, because Arizona kind of ran out of steam. Aside from a couple of really late shifts once they pulled Vimelka, uh, the, the netminder was just unbelievable. He robbed Mark Shifley twice, and honestly, the uh, the second save was a lot better than the first. The first was a nice one on a, a good um, cross-slot pass on the power play, I think it was, and Shifley one-timed it. Maybe was hoping for, like, the corner or something, but Vimelka's a really big guy. The second save, though, was the absolute gem, and this one was like a wrister or something that Shifley thought he could squeeze in short side, and honestly, Vimelka really didn't have much of a chance to see it. I think somebody's butt was parked in his face. He had a ton of traffic in the crease, you know, it would have to be almost reflexive to even get your glove up in time. And yet somehow he did and ended up robbing Shifley for a second time in this game. So yeah, Vimelka was insane. The Jets had something like 48 shots on goal. Quite a few, uh, almost at the 50 mark, but not quite. But you know, this being the Yotes, it's not super surprising. Winnipeg just kind of ran it up and really didn't have to do a lot until late in the game. I actually was concerned that they would concede uh, on the 6-on-5 just because the Jets tend to really handle that sort of chaos very poorly. Thankfully, because it's the Yotes, they ended up not actually conceding this time. But, you know, despite the the quality of opponent, there were still some signs of things that could change. Uh, Jansen Harkins, I really don't think, is fitting alongside Connor and Dubois, which is not super shocking. Harkins is one of those guys who I think fits like a depth role. If you're playing like a tired line or something, or maybe like a low skill line, send him out there on like a fourth line shift or something, and I think he'll actually do some really good stuff. But, you know, in the top six, I think he's a little bit overmatched. 
The team also is just going to have to bench Logan Stanley. Logan had one of his worst games as a Jet, just constantly turning the puck over, making very poor passes, and one of them actually turned into Arizona's only goal of the night, which was a turnover that led directly to Shane Goss' despair. Ah, you know, scoring actually a pretty beautiful individual effort. Can't even fault that one, but the pass itself that led to the turnover, just really ugly. Wasn't exactly a glowing night for the blue liner, and uh, he's had a, a rough season so far, which, again, not super shocking. I think a lot of people imagine Logan to be like a really big shutdown guy, but to be honest, he's actually not that kind of player. Uh, he, he does struggle a lot with like breakout passes and stuff. Those get turned over a lot. And I also feel like when he's in physical battles, you know, smaller guys who have a lower center of gravity can really upset him and then beat him cleanly to the goal. So not not a great mixture, I think, especially against teams with a lot of speed. But aside from that, you know, the Jets played a pretty competent game. I don't really want to read too, too much into it just because Arizona is bad. Even when the Jets got shut out, Arizona was bad. So, you know, I don't want to say you can write this one off because you can't. Every win is obviously very important. But I think the real test for this team is going to be on Thursday when they play Colorado. Colorado is the real deal, man. This team, yeah, Winnipeg has not played this iteration of the Avs in ages, and so I'm very curious to see how they do. I'm not really expecting a lot unless the lineup changes, but we're going to have to see. I mean, Colorado has a style of play that I think it's going to be Winnipeg's kryptonite. I hate to say it, but I just get that feeling. But again, you never know. We'll find out in just a couple of days. That is, however, a problem for another day. We're actually going to call it for tonight's episode. Thanks for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. Now make your second listen Locked On Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all of your gambling needs. Locked On Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all your favorite podcasting platforms, so be sure to like, follow, and subscribe today. And as always, thank you for listening, have a great night, and go Jets go!